This lesson is brought to you by the KwaZulu-Natal Department of Education. Good morning, learners. My name is Mrs. Ndwandwe. Um, a teacher at a school in Peter Maritzburg called Simude High School, Mkungundlov District. I will be doing economics. We are doing a perfect competition or perfect markets. Now, just to introduce what we are doing here, we would describe what a perfect market or perfect competition is. We look at the characteristics of a perfect market and we look at how we derive the demand curve of a perfect market and the prices and we look at the profits and losses in the short run as well as in the long run. We'll also look at the shutdown point. In other words, when will the firm have to shut down? So just to be quick, the introductory part of this section is the description of the, the perfect competition. It is a market structure with many buyers and sellers and uh, they are all price takers. In other words, there is no influence over the price and homogeneous product is sold here. I'll be very quick because this section has been covered before. It is just really to recap so that there is continuity from what uh, I will be doing today. So uh, our characteristics, number one, we have then the number of businesses. We've said that there are thousands, there are so many, and the reason why there are so many businesses or sellers is that there should be no one seller who would have a control over the price. So if there are so many of us, and it's that increases the level of uh, competition. Now, you can imagine if there's only a few or only one seller, that one seller, Monopoly, can control the price. And then number two, we look at the nature of the product that is sold in this market. I have mentioned that it is a homogeneous product, meaning that the product is exactly the same, identical in all respect in terms of quality, size, shape, packaging. There are no different brands. Why so? So that there is no one seller that gets preference from the buyers. So it it would be irrelevant or not significant where you buy your product because all of them are selling exactly the same product. Number three, entrance. Is it easy to enter and to leave exit in this market? Yes, there's completely freedom of entry and exit. And what would attract businesses to enter this market? If there are profits that are being made, this attracts new entrants into the market. And some of the firms would leave this market if they are making losses. So take cognizance of these characteristics because we shall be applying them when we discuss economic profits and uh, losses in the short run and in, in the long run. Then also we look at the next characteristic control over prices. I have mentioned that there are so many in such that no one seller can control the price. In other words, the total supply of one individual seller is so insignificant to the total market supply such that even if the seller decides to withdraw the total, his total supply, it would not have any impact on the total market supply in such a way that it would not influence the price. So they are called price takers. The industry, which is the total market, would determine the price and the individual firm would take the price as given. 
information there's total complete information in other words the buyers and the sellers have total knowledge of what is happening in the market they know about the prices that is is, is uh, prevailing in the market they know about the quality of the products they have total information and collusion collusion is uh, when sellers reach an agreement with the aim of trying to manipulate the price for example they would come together agree on limiting the quantity so that they create a shortage in the market and that would push the prices up but because there are so many of them it is impossible for them to collude there are thousands as a result each seller acts independently of other sellers and then examples now you can see from from what we have discussed these characteristics that in reality it's very difficult to find to find a, a market that would satisfy all these criteria and as a result we don't have a 100% perfect market uh, but rather we do have examples that are near close to being perfect like for example the agricultural products like maize producers maize farmers you can see if we check them against all these characteristics most of them would be met and as a result we call them near perfect markets the JSE is also another example uh, where they buy and sell shares and likewise they would meet most of these characteristics now we move on now the next section that we would look at is the output we will look at the output in other words what is the quantities that would be produced or sold by the farmers or the firms in this market and we would look at what would be the quantity that would produce maximum output but before we get there I would like you to have your pen and paper so that when I say we are drawing a graph because there's a lot of graphs that we would be drawing and you also do likewise so firstly we want to derive uh, the demand curve before we do that we need to distinguish between the individual firm and the industry individual firm is just one one individual like the maize farmers would be just one maize farmer producing his own output but if we talk of the maize industry this would be all the maize producers coming together they form an industry so the industry would have all the maize producers together forming the maize industry and the individual firm would be one maize producer so each one of them would constitute the individual firm so next we look at how is the price determined in this market now we would be drawing two graphs here one for the industry industry can be used interchangeably with market so if i say the market or the industry i would be meaning the same thing so one graph that is for the industry and the other for the individual firm so on your left hand side we draw the curves that pertain to the industry we are determining the price here number one number two we need to determine the demand curves number three we would look at the revenue curves where we would have marginal revenue and average revenue number four we look at the cost curves 
Now, all these curves would be used to determine different things. Like, for example, if you want to determine prices, we use a, 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 the demand curve, for, for example. And if you want to determine the output level, we would use these revenue curves, cost curves, or when we want to determine uh, profits and losses, we would use these revenue and cost curves. Okay, let's begin with number one, determining the price that would be the prevailing market price where all the individual sellers would have to sell their products at. Okay, the, the story begins with the industry. In other words, everything is handled by the industry. The industry determines the price by the interaction of normal demand and supply curve. So the demand curve for the industry is the normal demand curve that slopes downwards from left to right. And the supply curve is the normal supply curve that rises from left to right. And at the point of intersection, that is where we get our equilibrium point E, which determines the equilibrium price. Say the price is, is P1. We label the price as P1 and suppose the price is 10 rands. Now that the industry has determined the price, the individual has to take that price as given. In other words, that is why we call the individual uh, firms a price taker. All the individual firms would be forced to sell at the going market price. In other words, no one would sell at a price higher than 10 rents, nor at a price that is less than 10 rents. So if we are to draw these graphs, we have our industry curves, demand and supply. You label your axis price, uh, your vertical axis is the price axis, your horizontal axis, your quantity and your origin. Then you draw your normal demand curve, DD and SS. At the point of intersection, let's label the equilibrium point, point E, which determines our equilibrium price which we said is P1 and in this instance we said let it be 10 rands and the quantity would be Q1 uh, whatever quantity then alongside draw the same set of axes price and quantity this one is for the individual now the individual as a price taker takes the price receives the price that has been determined by the industry so you join the price that has been determined by the industry to move over to the individual. So the individual is now forced to sell at this price, 10 rents. Now what would happen to an individual firm who tries to sell at a price higher than 10 rents, say 12 rents, because there are so many of them, thousands of these sellers, and also Remember that the buyers have complete information. They would know what the going price is. So the prevailing uh, market price is 10 rands and no one individual seller can sell at a different price other than this one. But however, as much as they have to sell at this uh, prevailing market price, they are free to sell any quantities. So in other words, for example, they can sell one unit, but all these units would have to be sold at the going market price. If they decide to sell one or produce one unit, it would have to be sold at 10 rands. If they decide to move to the next unit, number two, they would have to sell that at, a, at 10 rands. 
number three, same, at 10 rands. So when you join all these points, you can see that now we have the demand table. We have the price at 10 rands for all the units, and the units would range from one, two, three, four, and five, and so on. So we do not confine the seller on the quantity, but the price has to be 10 rands, which would have been determined by the industry. So if you join all these points, then they, they derive our, our demand curve. So you can see we have determined how the price is, uh, is determined. It is the market that determines through the interaction of demand and supply, making the individual firm to sell at this price as a price taker. So now we have derived a demand curve for the individual, and you will see that the demand curve is a horizontal demand curve. The reason being the individual firm is a price taker. All the quantities have to be sold at the same price, and this derives a horizontal demand curve. Now we move on to the revenue curves. Two revenue curves that we would use or apply later is the marginal revenue and average revenue. Now, what is marginal revenue? Marginal means or refers to the additional, next additional unit that is produced. So if we refer to marginal revenue, it would mean the revenue that we receive when we sell the next additional unit. So we said we have unit number one, two, three, say four and five. So marginal revenue for the first unit, for example, would be 10 rands. In other words, if that is the going market price, if I sell unit number one, I get 10 rands. And what, how much revenue would I receive when I sell the next additional unit, which would be unit number two? When I sell unit number two, we said that the same that unit would have to be sold at the same price so for the next additional unit i would also get uh, 10 rands as my revenue and the same for the next unit i will get 10 rands for the next unit i will get 10 rands and if we were to plot the marginal revenue curve you would see that it would fall exactly on the demand curve so in other words the demand curve now represents the marginal revenue curve as well then the average revenue. Average means per unit. Could be average cost, it could be average revenue, but average means per unit. Now here we are looking at what is the revenue that this firm will receive per unit. So if they sell the first unit, they will have 10 rents. And 10 rents divided by one, that gives 10, uh, the average revenue of 10 rents. If they sell, two units. At 10 rands, the total revenue would be 20 rands. So 20 rands contributed by two uh, units, which means each one, it would be 20 rands divided by two. And the average revenue, which is revenue per unit, would also be 10 rands. If they sell three units, the total revenue would be three times 10 rands, the price, and that is 30 rands, divided by three units, each unit contributes or contributes, yes, uh, 10 rands. So you can see that for all these units, the average revenue would be 
10 rands, 10 rands, 10 rands. And if we were to plot the average revenue curve, it also sits exactly on the demand curve. Such that now when we label our the graph that we are drawing, we now have a individual firm that has a horizontal demand curve, which is in line with the price we set P1. The horizontal demand curve is also equal to the marginal revenue curve, also equals to the average revenue curve. So you will remember that the things that we said we would have to determine or that we would work with, we must be able to determine how the price is determined. We have done that. How the demand curve is determined. We've done that. We've seen how the horizontal demand curve came about. Then we have revenue curves that we would use. We have determined marginal revenue and average revenue. And in this instance, all of these are the same. The demand curve, the marginal revenue, and the average revenue curves, they are all the same curve. And now we also have the cost Revenue curves and then the cost curves. Now, you would have you know, noticed that with the revenue curves, we had marginal revenue and average revenue. So the same would apply with our cost curves. We would look at the marginal cost as well as the average cost. Now let's move on. Next, we need to derive our output level. You remember that we have confined the individual firm to, to be selling at the prevailing market price. That one is given. But we have said he can sell any quantity or any output. There was no limit on the quantity. Now we want to determine out of these five units that we are using as our examples, which unit, which level of output would give this firm maximum profit. Now this is profit maximization output or level of production. For us to determine the profit maximization po uh, position or if, if he's making a loss, the m loss minimizing output where he minimizes the loss, he wouldn't want to maximize loss. So it's either profit maximization output or loss minimization output. Now, for us to determine this level of output, we need to bring in the marginal cost curve. And the shape of the marginal cost curve from your grade 11 work, we know that it is, it is a tick. Like, you, you know, your Nike, it is a tick or the Nike shape. So if you bring in this marginal cost curve to cross the demand curve suppose at unit number four if our unit number four is where our marginal cost crosses our marginal revenue then this is the level of output that would maximize profits so in other words we have this golden rule that the firm would maximize profits where mc equals to mr that is the first rule of determining the profit maximization position. So if we bring in our marginal cost curve, draw it in such a way that it crosses the demand curve 
on the fourth unit so that when we do the calculations, we are all together. Now, we've said that uh, we have five units here and now we, have, we want to determine the level of output where profits would be maximized. Now, what happens with unit number one, two, three, before we reach unit number four? Now you would see that for all these units to the left of unit number four, the marginal cost, which is the cost of producing these additional units, it lies below the marginal revenue. Now can you see, we are comparing the marginals, marginal cost and marginal revenue. Let me repeat. For all units to the left of unit number four, the marginal cost lies below the marginal revenue, which means the cost of producing these additional units is less than the revenue that we get when we sell these units, which means they contribute positively towards our profits. So as long as we are producing to the left of this unit, unit number four, we would need to increase our output until we reach number four. Okay, let's see what happens if we try to produce unit number five. Unit number five, you will see that the marginal cost, in other words, the cost of producing unit number five lies above, is more than the revenue that we will get out of selling this unit. So it would not be advisable to produce this unit because the cost is now more than the revenue that we will get out of it. And if that is happening, then we are making losses with this unit and it will start decreasing our total uh, profits. So which means therefore that level of output, which is unit number four, is where we will maximize our profits because beyond this level of output, our total profits would begin to decline. So that is why therefore we say as a golden rule, the profit maximizing point is the point where MC equals to MR. Let's label this point E1. And the level of output in line with this point is the profit maximizing level of output. So if you are given, for example, a graph with all these units, and then the question asks or requires you to identify the level of output that this firm would produce. It would be found where MC equals to MR. So now we have just one, the quantity that we would be focusing on. It is quantity number four. Okay, then next we would then move on to determine profits and losses. But before we move on, there is a second principle or rule which says profits would be maximized where the difference between total revenue and total cost is the greatest. Now this one speaks for itself. We take the total revenue for unit number one minus its total cost. Total revenue for number two to minus uh, total Cost. So we do the same and where the difference between these two is the greatest, that is where we would be maximizing uh, our profits. Now, let's look at, we proceed with the first rule where we used MC equals to MR. We have determined the output. Now let's move on to determine profits and losses. Now we distinguish between 
profits and losses in the short run, which we say we refer to it as the short run equilibrium and the long run equilibrium. Now, for the short run equilibrium, the firm is capable of making um, uh, the following. Number one, we have normal profit. Okay, that is number one, normal profit. Number two, we have economic profit, economic profit. And number three is economic loss. Now, all these three equilibrium positions are possible in the short run. Now, let's start with the first one, normal profit. Now, how do we define or describe normal profits? And normal profit is zero profit. Now, that sounds very strange. Why would we say zero profit is profit? Okay, normal profit is referred to as the minimum payment that is required by the owner of the firm to stay in a particular business. Uh, it includes the cost of using your own resources. Let me repeat. Normal profit is profit that includes the cost of using your own resources in your business. Now let, we will explain this. And take note uh, of the fact that I said normal profit is zero profit. Now, how do we, before we even get to the calculations and, and uh, anything else, how do you determine whether you've made profits or not in your business? You take into account the revenue that you get when you sell your, prof your products and you minus the cost. You determine how much revenue and then you subtract your cost. Now, this is when we bring in the average revenue, which is the revenue per unit minus average cost. Average revenue minus average cost, which is the cost per unit. This will determine the profit per unit that you will make. So on whatever we have drawn the curves that we have, we now need to bring in these two curves, average revenue and average cost. The graphs that we have already has our average revenue. You will remember that the demand curve is also our average revenue. Now we need to bring in the average cost curve. Now the shape of the average cost curve is like a smile, you know, it's U-shaped. Average cost first decreases, reaches a minimum point, and begins to rise. That is how it is shaped. So in determining uh, uh, profits or losses, we need to bring in our average cost. And we check the minimum of the average cost that must be in line with the quantity that we are producing. We will make an example here. We've said that the output that will maximize our profits is unit number four. And if we say with normal profit, the firm is making zero profit, it means the average cost is, is, would be 10 rands. You remember that the price, which is the average revenue, is 10 rands. Then for us to make zero profit, it means the average cost must also be 10 rands. 
so that you get 10 rands minus the cost of 10 rands, you make zero profits. So when we draw, we put in our average cost curve. You draw it in such a way that the minimum of this average cost must touch that equilibrium point, point E1, that is in line with our quantity number four. In other words, the average cost is tangent to our demand curve. Such that when you read your average revenue, you read it along the average revenue curve, which is the same as your demand curve. It is 10 rands. That is your price, P1. And also the average cost for this particular unit, the minimum of the average cost is at 10 rands. Now, let's explain why do we say zero profit is profit, which is a normal profit. Now, when we determine the profits or losses, the accountant, for example, considers only the actual expenditure of a business. We call this explicit costs. So the explicit cost is when, you know, when you're doing your accounting and you determine the profits, you take into account your electricity, your wages, your interest. We refer to these costs as the explicit cost, the actual expenditure of a business. But we also have costs that we refer to as implicit costs. Now, these are the costs of using your own resources in the business. The implicit costs would be the cost that would be taken into account by an economist in determining his profits. So in other words, if I use my own buildings as, in, as my office for my business, there is revenue or income that I could have earned if I did not use this business, this building for my own business. Suppose I decide to let, I would have earned a, a rental income for this business, for this building. So in other words, suppose if I let this building for 3,000 rents, there is income that I have lost. By using it for my own business, I have forfeited rental income of 3,000 rents. So to, for the economist, that is regarded as a cost. Opportunity cost. Also, if I use my labor in my business, there is a cost involved here. Because if I had used this labor somewhere else, I could have earned a, sal a salary. But because I'm using my labor in my own business, I, there is no cost. You know, the, the, that, that is a cost to me. So likewise, if I use my own capital, uh, this becomes a cost because if I use this capital somewhere else, I could have earned interest. So all these costs of using my own resources in my own business are called implicit costs. So, okay, now let's move on. So if we say we look at the average revenue and compare this with our average cost, suppose the average revenue, like for example, in our example, our average revenue is 10 rands. And then the average cost would be divided into two. We have these explicit costs, which the accountant, the accountant takes only the explicit costs into, into consideration when they determine the profit. Suppose the explicit costs are six rents and the implicit costs, which is the cost of using your own 
resources in your business uh, would be would then be forens. So if you add your explicit costs plus your implicit costs, should come to ten rins. So when the accountant the accountant determines the profits, they would say average revenue ten rins minus explicit cost which is minus six rands so the accountant would have declared a profit of four rands but the economist would say my average revenue is 10 rands my explicit cost six rands plus my implicit cost of four rands and the total average cost comes to 10 rands so if the the economist is 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 making enough revenue to cover both explicit and implicit costs, he is happy to stay in this business because even if he leaves here to apply his resources somewhere else, he would make the same revenue. So that is why, therefore, that is where zero profit comes in because the, the average revenue is 10 rands minus the average cost of 10 rands which includes both explicit and implicit costs then 10 rands minus 10 rands it becomes zero now how do we bring this to the graph that we have uh, drawn so far you remember we have our demand curve equals to mr equals to ar and this is equals to the price we said p1 we determined our output level by bringing in the mc curve and mc is a tick we said and mr you remember the demand curve is also our mr curve so where the two curves intersect determined our equilibrium point e1 and which determined our profit maximization output level where we said it is four rents. We put our price at 10 rents. Now we need to bring in, determine the profits that we are making. For profits and losses, we use the average curves. Average revenue, you remember it is the same as the price, which is 10 rents. And then the average cost, we have drawn our average cost U-shaped for the minimum of AC curve to touch the profit maximization point or level of output, which would mean that for the fourth unit, the average cost would also be 10 rands. Now, let's see if there is any with our graphs. We need to shade the area that would represent profit or loss. But in this instance, there is no area that would remain to be shaded. Why? Let's look at the totals because average means per unit. But what about the total revenue minus total cost? So total revenue that would be received would be the price times the total output, which is four. The price is 10 rands. 10, so the total revenue equals to 10 rands times quantity times four, giving us 40 rands. And the total cost would be the cost, the average cost, which is also 10 rands times the quantity of 4, giving us 40 rands. Now let's calculate. We take revenue minus cost to determine our profits. So total revenue is 40 rands minus total cost, which is also 40 rands. So the whole area that would represent the total revenue would be 0, P1, E1, 
Q1. Q1 is our level of output, which is four. So if you take that whole area representing our total revenue, and from it, let us subtract the area that represents the total cost. The total cost happens to be the same area as well. Why? Because it is the cost times the quantity. So the cost we said is also 10 rands. So it would be zero. C1, C1 stands for the cost level, which is uh, 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 10 rands as well. So it is zero C1 E1 Q1. So you will see that we are subtracting that area from itself. There's nothing to, to shade. So it is the total revenue, which is exactly the same as the total cost. So you take and if you subtract the total cost from your total revenue, it gives you zero. There is no area to shade with normal profits. Okay. So I think you, you would, as we go along, you will see the trend. That was number one. Number two, the firm could also make, in the short run, economic profit. Now, what is economic profit? Economic profit is profit above normal profit. In other words, the firm is now making more than uh, a normal profit. In this instance, you remember that we always look at our average revenue and our average cost. We do the calculations and we place our average cost curve. So in this instance, previously our average revenue, remember it was 10 rents and the average cost was 10 rents. So 10 rents minus 10 rents, it gave us zero. This time, the average cost for the firm to make profit above that, it means the average cost now must be greater than the average cost. So our average cost, we said, is 10 rents. You remember the explicit plus implicit they give us 10 rands, but now this time the firm is making average revenue that is more than 10 rands. So if the average revenue, for example, is 12 rands, which means that 12 rands minus 10 rands, now the firm is making extra profit of 2 rands. And this extra profit is sometimes referred to as super no, normal profit, extra profit, abnormal profit, because it, it is extra additional above normal profit. Now, if this is the case, let's go back to our graphs. To illustrate this graphically, we always have our vertical axis we label it is price, revenue, and cost because that is where we would read the price. That is where we would read our revenue and the costs. And the horizontal axis is our quantity. We begin with our demand curve. D equals to MR equals to AR. We had our MC curve to determine our equilibrium point E1, determining our Profit maximizing output number four, the price we said is 10 rands, the, the original price. Now for the firm, now to make economic profit, we say the average revenue must be more than the average cost. Or put differently, the average cost must be less than the average revenue. So when we now have to draw in our average cost curve, 
we would have to place it in such a way that the minimum of our, of our average cost curve now lies below the price. Average cost, the minimum that is in line with our output level now lies below the demand curve. You know, the demand curve, the price, and uh, average revenue, they are all the same. So if you could just draw your average cost in such a way that its minimum lies below your demand curve, that is where we would read our average cost for this level of output. And let's label this point, uh, point A. So with our examples here, we have the price at 10 rands, but now the average cost is less than 10 rands. If you could just draw your uh, uh, average cost, say the average cost is now 8 rands. If this is the case, it means then that for each unit, we get 10 rands minus 8 rands. We are now making a profit of 2 rands, extra profit. And the total would be 2 rands per unit times the total output, which would be 8 rands. So let's label our price at 10 rands as P1 and our cost of 8 rands as C1. And let's now determine the area that needs to be shaded to represent or to show our economic profit. So when we determine the profit, we take the total revenue minus the total cost. See, total revenue is price times quantity. Total cost is cost times quantity. Okay, so the total revenue here would be 10 rents, which is the price, times 4 rents, giving us 40 rents. And the total cost is 8 rents per unit times 4, which is 32 rents. So 40 minus 32 rents, the firm would have made that total economic profit of 8 rands, which was 2 rands per unit. Remember, 10 rands minus 8 rands, the average means per unit. So 2 rands per unit times 4 units, it works out to the same uh, 8 rands that we have determined as our total economic profit. Now let's now determine the area to shade as our economic profit. So the total revenue minus total cost. That is what we are doing here. The area that represents our total revenue is zero. P1, which is at the price of 10 rents. You go sideways to the, towards your right to the equilibrium point E1 and to the quantity Q1. Again, zero, P1, E1, Q1. So that whole total area represents the total revenue. And from that total area, let's now subtract our total cost. Our total cost is the cost times quantity. So it is zero, C1, which is at eight rands, and point A at the minimum of the average cost, and then down to Q1. Again, zero, C1, A, Q1. So if you see, you take the total revenue, from it you subtract the total cost. The area that would remain as the economic profit would be C1, P1, E1, A. That rectangle represents the economic profit. So you shade that area and you label it as economic profit. Okay.
Now, this economic profit, later on we shall discuss the long-run equilibrium. This is the economic profit that would attract new businesses to enter the market. They all want to enjoy this, have a share of this economic profit. But for now, we are still determining how the economic profit, uh, looking at how it is determined. Okay, then the third scenario is when the firm now makes economic loss. That is our number three. Now, for the firm to make economic loss, what does this mean? It means the revenue that they get this time is less than the average cost. Or put the other way around, the average cost is more than the average revenue. The cost per unit is higher than the the revenue per unit. Okay, let's draw the graph to represent uh, economic loss. You label your vertical axis as your price, stroke, cost, uh, stroke, revenue, and your horizontal axis quantity. Then you draw your demand curve. That is where we begin. Demand curve equals to MR equals to AR. Then we determine the level of output by bringing in the MC curve. The tick where MC equals to MR, we label it as point E1. This takes us to the quantity along the quantity axis Q1, which we said it's four units. The price there is 10 rands. Okay, now we are making economic loss. We need to bring in our average cost curve to compare with our average revenue which is the same as the price. But this time, because we are making a loss, the revenue that we get per unit is less than the cost per unit, which means when we place our average cost curve, it must now lie above the price. In other words, okay, let's bring in our average cost. This time, the minimum of our AC curve, of our average cost, lies above the price. In other words, you draw it to be above the demand curve. You label it as your AC. And then for the quantity that we are producing, now this time we are not making profits, so we don't want to maximize losses. So we say the point the the point E1 is the loss minimizing point. So the price here is 10 rands. We keep it as at 10 rands, but if you extend your line that is in in line with the quantity to get to read your average cost. The average cost now lies above. We label this point A and you move towards your vertical axis. So the average cost this time is above, is more than the average revenue, say at 15 rands. So what does this mean? It means the cost of producing one unit is 15 rands, but the revenue that we get per unit is 10 rands. So always when we determine our profits or losses, we take revenue minus cost. So our average revenue equals to 10 rand and our average cost equals to 15 rand. So 10 rands minus 15 rands, this gives us a loss per unit of 5 rands. And what is the total economic loss here? 5 rands per unit times the quantity, which is 4 this gives us minus 20 rands as our total economic loss. Or you could calculate it 
the longer way you determine your total revenue which is price times quantity 10 rents times 4 gives you 40 rents that is your total revenue and the total cost is the cost which is 15 rents times 4 this gives us 60 so 40 minus 60 it brings you back to minus 20 rents as the total economic loss now let's determine the area that needs to be shaded as our economic loss okay so we say total revenue the area that represents our total revenue which is the price times quantity so it is zero the price is 10 rents p1 e1 the equilibrium point and down to q1 that is the total revenue you can see that area zero p1 e1 q1 and from this area we need to subtract the total cost and our cost c1 this time is above is more than the price so the area that represents our total cost is zero c1 a you remember uh, the point that uh, 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 reads the average cost so it is zero c1 a down to q1 and you would see that the, the area that represents our total cost is more than the area that represents our total revenue. In other words, we are subtracting something that is bigger from something that is smaller. And the difference between these two areas would be P1, C1, A, E1. Again, P1 up to the cost C1 horizontal to the uh, average cost A and E1. So that area you then shade and you label it as your economic loss. And make sure that the area that you shade either is economic profit or economic loss must be a rectangle. If it is not a rectangle, then there's something wrong with your 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 determination of the area that should be shaded so that was our third scenario we've done normal profit where the average revenue equals average cost and therefore it did not leave us with any area because we the, the area that represents total revenue we subtracted it as our total cost and there was nothing left to shade the economic profit here our average cost curve is now less. Our average cost is less than average revenue, placing our average cost below the demand curve. And the difference between our revenue, the price, and the average cost was the area that represented our economic profit. Economic loss this time the average cost is more it lies above the demand curve which is the price and the difference between those two areas gave us our economic loss now just as a tip for these curves and the calculations we say i'm just taking a little back bit back we have two sets of curves we have revenue curves and we have cost curves. Now, with the revenue curves, we have those that are marginal, like marginal revenue. And the cost curves also have marginal cost. You see, 
that's a set of curves that the, the marginal ones that pertain to the next additional unit you remember marginal we said and we also have the average curves we have for revenue we have average revenue and for the cost curves we have average cost so I want you to notice that we have these two sets of curves marginal curves and average curves the marginal curves, that is MC and MR, those curves are used to determine the output level where we would maximize our profits or minimize our loss. So once you use MC equals to MR, you are done with those curves. They are all there in the picture to determine the level of output. That is why, that is why we use these curves. They are there to determine the level of output, the marginals. And when you want to determine profits and losses, the curves that we use, the average curves. So we compare the average revenue with the average cost. I, I repeat, to determine the level of output that would be produced, we use the marginal curves so where mc equals to mr that is what we said then you are done with the marginal curves don't focus on these curves anymore when we move on to determine whether they are making economic profit economic loss or normal profit the curves that you focus on are the average curves so you look at the average revenue and you compare it with the average cost if the average revenue is equal to the average cost, the firm will make zero profit. And graphically, you would compare, place your average cost to compare it with your average revenue curve, which is the demand curve or the price. So for us to make zero profit, these two curves must be equal at the level of output that we are producing. We've been using four as our MC equals to MR, the level of output that would give us maximum profit. I repeat, when you determine profits and losses, you now compare where your average revenue, which is the same as your demand curve or the price, where it is and where the average cost is. For zero profit, normal profits, these two curves must be equal. In other words, they must touch each other. They, if they touch each other, it means they are equal at that point of intersection. For economic profit, your revenue, your average revenue must be more than your average cost for you to make more than zero profit. Graphically, your average revenue, which is your demand curve, must be higher than the minimum of your average cost. So when you place your average cost, the minimum must lie below your demand curve such that when you read your average revenue, it must be higher than your average cost at the output level that we are producing. For economic loss, the average revenue must be less or lie lower than your average cost. Because you're making e-loss this time, your average cost is more than what you get, your average revenue. So when you place your average cost 
on your graph, it must lie above your demand curve, which represents your average revenue. Then you do the calculations. Always you take your average revenue or your total revenue if you work with the total quantity minus your average cost or your total cost and then you determine the area that needs to be shaded as your economic profit or as your economic loss i hope if you have been drawing the curves you know as we go along this should make sense otherwise it becomes very abstract you know, to work with imaginary uh, diagrams. You need to draw these diagrams and you need to work out to see how these things work out. Okay, let me just recap. We have been doing the short run equilibrium for the firm, the individual firm. We said they can make normal profit, economic profit and economic loss. Now let's move on to the long run. What happens uh, in the long run? So in the long run, Oh, the short run is when we have some of the factors or the costs that would remain fixed. But in the long run, all the factors are variable. In other words, you can change any other, any of your uh, uh, costs or any of your factors to, you know, to take advantage of uh, uh, the situation in the, mar- in the market. Now, if we're now looking at the long-run equilibrium, we say the perfect market makes normal profit, only normal profit in the long run. Now, we need to to explain how does this happen? What happens to the economic profit that is made in the short run? And what happens to the economic loss that is made in the short run? How do we lose this economic profit or economic loss in the long run to become normal profit? Now, take um, cognizance of the, the curves that we drew for the normal profit. You remember that with our normal profit, our average cost sits on the, it is tangent, it, it sits on the demand curve. Now, what happens to Suppose the firm is making economic profit. You remember from our characteristics we said there is free entry. It's very easy to enter the market. And economic profit will attract new businesses to enter the market. That's number one. Also, the existing businesses will try to to take advantage of this economic profit. They want to, to expand their businesses so that they can make even more profits. Now, what happens if to the industry? If that, if that happens, if new businesses enter the market. Now we're going back to our very first graphs where the industry determined the price through demand and supply, which the individual seller adopted as the price given by the industry. Now you will remember that we said any price that is determined by the industry would have to be taken up by the individual firm because the firm is the price taker. In our example, we used the price of 10 rents and we said any seller that would try to sell at a price higher than this would lose customers. And neither would an individual firm sell at a price lower than this 
Why? Because they can sell all their output at the prevailing market price. So they would just be losing profits unnecessarily. But if the industry determines a new price, immediately the individual has to take, as the price taker, the individual uh, firm can no longer be selling at the original price they would have to sell at the new prevailing market price. Now, let's now see what happens to the industry if there are new firms that enter the industry. What do you think would happen? If there are new farmers that enter the industry because they are attracted by this economic profit, what happens to the total supply of maize? If these are maize farmers, the supply in the industry would increase. Now, graphically, if the supply increases, it would shift to the right. We are drawing these graphs together. So go back to your industry. Supply curve shifts to the right. And if this happens, the demand, you know that it remains the same. So the new equilibrium point is now determined by the intersection of the original demand curve and the new supply curve, S1, S1. We label it that. So we have our new equilibrium point there, E2, because our original we had labeled it as E1. So you will see that at the new equilibrium point, the price would have dropped. So the price now drops from 10 rands, say, to 8 rands. And what happens with the individual? The individual is still selling at 10 rands, but now the going market price, the prevailing market price is 8 rands. So what do you think is going to happen to these individual firms that still sell at 10 rands? They are now selling at a price higher than the new prevailing market price of 8 rands. So as price takers, once the industry has determined a new price, which is lower at 8 rands, they are now forced to drop the price. Right? Okay, so Entry of new or entrance of new firms into the industry, being attracted by economic profit and the expansion of the existing firms because they want to capitalize on this economic profit would increase the supply, shifting the supply curve to the right, dropping the price to aid rents and the individual firm as the price taker is now forced to drop the price to eight rents. Now let's go back to that graph that represents economic profit. You will see that the price was at 10 rents and the average cost was at eight rents. Now, if the price drops from 10 rents to eight rents, it means the whole demand curve marginal revenue and average revenue now drops to eight rands. Can you see how this economic profit now is lost? The price drops from 10 rands to eight rands. Why? Because the industry had determined a new price of eight rands and the cost, the average cost is also eight rands. And if you drop your demand curve, to be in line with your average cost of eight rands, because this is now the new demand curve, the new MR and AR, and also the new price. So the price is eight rands. 
and the cost is Adrian's. Can you see now that it is making zero profit? And if you look very closely to, uh, you look at your, your curves, if now the demand curve is at Adrian's, Check where your average cost is. Can you see that the minimum of the average cost curve is now tangent to your demand curve, which is the curves that represent normal profit. So for this economic profit, you know, it, it to be reduced until it, it, it's exhausted, it it, it it means that the, it is the price that shifts to reach the minimum of our average cost so that the firm makes normal profit. Okay? Let's look at how the economic loss changes to normal profits in the long run. Again, the same reasoning that economic loss would chase some of the firms out of the industry. People, other, other farmers would uh, decide to use their resources to produce something else. Now that maize, their experience, they are making economic losses, some of the firms would leave the market. Now, if that happens, we this takes us back to our very first set of curves for the industry and the individual. So if some of the firms leave the industry... That's where we are now. Back to that, uh, the graphs that represents the industry, the graphs that represent the industry and the individual firm. So, if some of the firms leave the industry, what will happen to the total market supply? The supply would decrease because some of the firms have left. And if that happens, the supply curve would shift to the left. You draw your supply curve, new supply curve is S2. And the original demand curve remains DD. The new equilibrium point is now found at a point where DD intersects the new supply curve SS, which is at a price higher than the original price. In other words, exit of the firms would lead to an increase in the market price. So that increase in the market price, originally it was 10 rands. Suppose now it is at 15 rands. This is the new prevailing market price. And any individual seller who still sells at 10 rands is now losing 5 rands profit because the new market price is now 15 rands. And because they are price takers, they are now going to sell at a higher price. Okay, which means the demand curve shifts upwards to a level of 15 rands. Let's go back quickly to the curves that represented our economic loss. You remember that we made a loss of 5 rands per unit because the average cost was at 15 rands whilst the price was at 10 rands. But now that some of the firms have left, the price now has gone up to 15 rands, which means the whole demand curve shifts upwards to reach or to be at exactly the same position as your average cost. So if you draw the new demand curve in line with the average cost at 15 rands, 
can you see that now the firm is making normal profits? 15 rands minus 15 rands equals zero. And if you see the, the shapes of the curve, the demand curve has shifted upwards to meet or to be in line with the minimum of our average cost. So that is why we therefore say in the long run, the firm will make normal profit. Economic profit will attract new businesses to enter the industry, resulting in an increase in the supply, market supply depressing the price. The price would decrease and the whole demand curve would drop to reach the minimum of average cost and uh, they would make zero profit, normal profit. If there's economic loss, some of the firms would leave the market and this reduces the supply in the market, increasing the price and shifting the whole demand curve upwards to meet the minimum of the average cost, making uh, normal profits. Okay. Then next we need to look at the shutdown point. Now here we look at when would the firm have to shut down? Do they shut down immediately when they start making losses? Or is there a rule? The rule is that if the price is less than the average variable cost, now we are bringing in a new curve here. The existence of the average variable cost in your graph is solely to determine your shutdown point. Now, if we say the price must cover your average variable cost for the firm to continue, it means you will remember that the total cost of the firm consists of um, the cost is made up of uh, variable cost and fixed cost. But if the firm is making a loss, but it, as long as it can still cover, pay for labor, for example, can pay for the raw materials, the, the cost of production, then the firm must continue because it will minimize its loss if it continues to operate than when it shuts down. But if the price is less than the average variable cost, in other words, the price that you get, which is the price per unit, cannot pay for the variable cost per unit, then the firm must shut down. You can't survive. The firm must shut down. So graphically, the average variable cost would lie below your average cost. Why? Because the average cost is made up of the average variable cost plus average fixed cost. So the distance between your average cost and your average variable cost would represent your average fixed cost. And the minimum of the average variable cost, AVC, where it crosses the marginal, where MC crosses the average variable cost, that would be the point that is regarded as a shutdown point. Now see, if the price is below this point, can you see that the average variable cost is higher than the price, which means the price it gets cannot cover the variable average variable cost. And therefore, for all the, quant for all the price levels below this shutdown point, the firm needs to shut down. But as soon as the price can cover the average variable cost, then the firm should start to supply. Hence, the supply curve of the individual is the rising part of the marginal cost MC curve from the shutdown point. So if you take the rising part of MC, you remember the tick, from this point, shutdown point, the minimum of AVC, 
this is when the firm would begin to supply. But otherwise, below that, the firm would have had to shut down. So we have now discussed a lot of things. We have now brought in the supply curve of, of the individual firm as well, which we have determined as the rising part of MC from the minimum of AVC or the shutdown point. Now, to, to wrap up, to conclude, we'll just, you know, go back quickly. Firstly, we described the concept of perfect competition. We looked at the characteristics. We derived the demand curve from the industry, determining the market price, the individual being the price taker, and that is when we derived our demand curve, which we saw that it was a horizontal. So be careful. The demand curve for an individual is a horizontal demand curve, but the demand curve for the industry is a downward sloping from left to right and normal demand curve. From there, we looked at the, how the price is determined. We determined our average revenue and our marginal revenue. From there, we determined the profit maximization, where we said it is where MC equals to MR. That's a golden rule. And number two, principle number two, where the total revenue minus total cost is the greatest. So there are two principles of profit maximization. MC equals to MR, or where total revenue minus total cost is the greatest. And then from there, we looked at output levels. That is MC equals to MR. And we determined profits and losses in the short run as well as in the, in the long run. We said in the short run, the equilibrium positions, we have normal profit, economic profit, and economic loss. And in the long run, the firm will make normal profits. And we then moved on to determine the shutdown point, which we said we bring in the average variable cost. And at its minimum, where MC crosses the average variable cost at its minimum, that is the point where the firm should shut down. And above that... The rising part of MC then represented our supply curve of the in uh, individual firm. I hope this will give the explanation of the the perfect market, and this would then be followed by imperfect markets. And the market becomes imperfect as soon as one of the characteristics is missing. In other words, you remember back to the characteristics, we said there must be many sellers. So as soon as there's one seller or a few of them, then the market becomes imperfect. And there you would get monopolistic competition, oligopoly and monopoly. So for the perfect market, we then conclude with the next, the second principle of determining uh, the profit maximization uh, output where we said total revenue minus total cost. We have our P price and quantity diagram. Now you will see, you remember that when you determine your total revenue, it would be a linear graph from zero diagonally, that is your total revenue, and your total cost for zero output, there would be total cost incurred. It's a concave curve 
from your vertical axis, you draw it to cross your total revenue and then reaches its minimum, then upwards, that is your total cost. Now, why do we have total cost when output is zero? You remember total cost, we have variable cost and fixed cost. So even if output is zero, for example, you are paying your rent. So that is why we have total cost if in output, even if output is zero. So if you have drawn these two curves, you will see that uh, initially the firm would make loss. Why? Because the total cost run above, it runs above the total revenue. And there would be a point of intersection. That point there is called the break-even point. This is where total revenue equals to total cost. You remember from the previous discussion, we said this is where the firm makes normal profit. So total revenue minus total cost here would be zero because they are equal. It's the normal profit position and we call the point the break-even point. Now, from then upwards, as the firm uh, expands, increases its output, the total cost now runs below the total revenue. So for all that, all those units where total cost runs below total revenue, the firm is making profit. And as we go proceed, as, as we increase our output, the total cost also intersects our total revenue. That's our second break-even point where the firm makes normal profit. And beyond that level of output, total cost now runs above total revenue, which means the firm is making a loss. So in other words, we can't expand forever. We can expand, first suffer losses, we break even, we enjoy, make profits. As we proceed with our expansion of the firm, the firm eventually breaks even again and then makes losses. But the the question is, where do we maximize profit? Now, with the shape of our TC curve, because there is the highest or the point that is further, the furthest point away from the total revenue, that would be the level of output that would determine the profit maximization output. Let me repeat. The difference between the total revenue, that's what we said initially, that it is found where TR, the difference between total revenue minus total cost is the greatest. So you can see that between the two break-even points, the, the, we are making profits, but where do we maximize profits? Which level of output would maximize profit? It would be found where the total cost curve is the furthest away from the total revenue. It speaks for itself. Where the costs are further, the furthest away from our revenue. That would determine that level of output where we would maximize profits. So this actually concludes our perfect markets and remember when we get to the imperfect markets these principles would remain the same the curves that we use would remain the same but they would you know be different in the in terms of the shapes but the principles will remain the same for example this profit maximization rule will still apply mc equals to mr and for normal profit the average revenue would be equal to the average cost for economic profits, the average revenue must be above than uh, the average cost. 
and for economic loss, the average cost must be above the average revenue. So the principles remain the same. The, all the curves that we have used will be there, but different shapes. But all the rules, the principles would remain the same. So this concludes our perfect market. And hopefully this should assist you. And please make good use of these intervention programs and go over and over these sections. All these uh, presentations go over and over again. They would assist you to understand this section of our syllabus. Meet you next time. That lesson was brought to you by the KwaZulu-Natal Department of Education.